Hello, Tony G Nation. I missed you on Tuesday. This is the Thursday edition of the Tony G Show. My partner, Will McCormick, he's here today. I'm Tony G. Missed you on yeah. Tuesday, Will. Yeah, you had to recover a little bit. That's I, okay. I did. I did. So if you remember last Thursday's show, I said that Monday, well, I guess not Monday, but Tuesday was going to be a Tony G show. Wednesday was going to be the Mike Walrick interview. Mm-hmm. Both of those had to get canceled. Mike Walrick's interview is now getting postponed until the release will be on the 23rd of Wednesday. So that's going to be after the spring break here on the campus of St. Norbert College. So that's going to be after. There's no shows next week for the Tony G Show because we're on spring break. We'll be home. Hope you have a good break, pal. I'll be home as well. So we won't have Tony G Shows next week. So after that is when we'll get the Mike Walrick interview. And we'll get back to recording Tony G Shows like usual. I'm still dealing with some of the effects of it too. If I sound a little nasally or if I sound mm-hmm. a little stuffed. It's because I'm on the back end. I feel good. I mean, I feel fine. Right. But it did... It did take me off my feet for about three days there. Mm-hmm. Where I just wanted to lie down, and that's all I did. A little cold going around right now. It, there but, is. Everybody, mm-hmm. and I tell you what, and we talked about this in the pre-show as well, everybody's getting sick. Mm-hmm. But if you remember from last week, oop, that's my ringer. I'll shut that off. But if you remember from last week, I had SNC Talks, which was yep. a big event for me personally. I did a lot of work to get ready for that and give a speech, as did the rest of the speakers, the eight speakers besides me. So there was nine total for that event of SNC Talks. It turned out great. But I got to the end of it, and I, my immune system must have just been worn out. I must mm-hmm. have been worn out. I was using all my energy to memorize my speech and get that down pat. So then when it got over, immediately, as soon as I got home, I just started feeling stuffy. I started blowing my nose, and I was like, what? This just doesn't feel right. And sure mm-hmm. enough, sinus infection ensued, and so that's kind of what happened from there. But yeah, SNC Talks really went well. I mean, that was a great event. I didn't say it perfectly, like in line without stopping. You'd never have noticed, though. I didn't. Yeah. Well, but I'm saying like until the day. Oh. That like the the time I did it on stage was the first time that I did it without having to stop, think about what my next line was, and then say it, or without messing up my line. You know, I messed up in rehearsal and I had to stop and do it again. And then finally, you know, you can do it in your head a hundred times. You yep. can read it on the paper. But then finally, when I got on stage for the event, when my name was called, was the first time that I did it wire to wire without stopping, without messing up, without redirecting. So I spoke too soon. You did great then. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you thank did you. really good. Yeah. 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 It, it was a lot of work. Uh, Will was there, by the way. And, mm-hmm. you know, I met your parents afterwards for and the first time. You know, we've been on a podcast. This is our eighth season. Right. And finally, we just met each other's parents yeah. at that event. Kind of crazy. Yeah. But it was it was more, it was way overdue. Yes. It really was. So it, it was, was nice. 100% way overdue. And your parents are very nice. Thank you. And Likewise. <laughs> yeah. And I finally met Casey, your father. Yes. After all these years of you telling me about all the Packer games that you guys have gone to mm-hmm. and all of uh, the experiences that you have together. So... It was nice to finally meet them and get to know, you know, put a face with a name. Yeah, I would say, I would, finally I mean, shake hands, give hugs. Right. I would say totally likewise. I mean, it's just finally nice to put that, you know, connect. It's fun to meet people's parents. It really is. Yeah. It's like it a is. little story about why they're the, the person they are. Exactly. You, know? you get to see kind of where they came from. Mm-hmm. So without further ado, again, that went great. Once that, once I have that video, they're going to edit it up. The people who put together the event, they're going to edit it up each individual speaker's video and put it on YouTube. Once I have that, it's going to be on my website at TonyGNation.com. Until then, for all updates, follow at TonyGNation on Twitter, at Willis5312 on Twitter. 
um, for updates on the Tony G Show. Let's preview today's show because Tuesday's show that we missed, I mean, see what happens when you take a day off. You just missed the biggest day, and it's like there's all the news breaking in the world. We could have had a show without having a script because there was Mm -hmm. just so much news, so much speculation and perspective to be unfolded. So we'll do it today. Here's what we'll talk. First, the state of the Green Bay Packers because on Tuesday, Aaron Rodgers announced per Pat McAfee that he will come back to Green Bay and play for the Packers for an 18th season. We'll break down what that means, how the Packers were able to pull that off money-wise because they're still in cap room hell because they don't have any room to give. Our second segment, we're going to talk about the Broncos. They might be the team to beat next year in the AFC. They're looking pretty solid. We'll break that down after they just acquired Russell Wilson. And then to conclude the show, an interesting segment talking about Calvin Ridley, the wide receiver who was suspended for all of next year for gambling. So we'll talk about what that means, if that's the right penalty to suspend them all year and maybe relate to other famous cases of gambling. So that's our show today. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, the Broncos after acquiring Russell Wilson via a trade from Seattle, and then Calvin Ridley. Now before we get into our intro, I want to mention this, and it's unfortunate that we don't, you know, we always say year after year, Will, we always say to each other, let's do a bracket show. Mm -hmm. Let's get a March Madness bracket show. Here's the deal. Just so happens that our spring break, when we won't have shows, falls after the selection show Sunday, uh. then spring break week, and then it starts that Thursday, Friday, and into that weekend. So we won't be able to do a bracket show. Darn it. You know, we could do it on that Tuesday, but we yeah. don't have a show on that Tuesday. So right. that's, when we get back, that our first show is going to be the 22nd of March, and that'll be like an intermission period because the Sweet 16 doesn't kick off until the 24th and 25th. So we might be able to do like a miniature bracket. Yeah, we could do like 16. a yeah, more condensed version. I think we'll do that. I think That's we'll a good spend idea. that whole show on Tuesday talking mm-hmm. about that. We'll see. I'll take all the knowledge that I learned from your picks of the week, and I'll just <laughs> absolutely take you to school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the student becomes the teacher. In that yes, case. the um, the Jedi or the master. Or, or, what's the phrase for Star Wars? You lost me. Yeah. I'm not a Star Wars guy, so I wouldn't. No, know. that's okay. I was hoping you were so you could pick it up, but. No. It's, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Uh, well, the Padawan. Is that the one? I don't know. Now, now you're just reaching. Yeah. I tell you what, think about it in the intro and then get back to it. Okay. All right. Will McCormick, Tony G, The Tony G Show. You are listening to the eighth and final season of The Tony G Show. Eight seasons of laughs, memories, and sports are coming to an end. Follow the show on Twitter at Willis5312 and at Tony G Nation. Check out more from Tony G at TonyGNation.com. Now, along with Will McCormick, here's your host, Tony G. Once again, fighting off this sinus infection. It's in the I'm in the back end stages of it. Like I said, I feel fine. I just sound stuffy. So if I sound a little bit off, if I have to take a second, clear my throat, you know, I usually try to edit those parts out. But if I miss one because I'm a little under the weather, I'm not, you know, it's not even like I'm under the weather. I feel fine. It's just still this congestion right Mm -hmm. in the middle of my head. Lord knows that my head is big enough to handle all this congestion. You'd think there'd be enough room to handle everything. Kind of pass enough around to disperse it. Yeah, but no, it's just whatever. The state of the Green Bay Packers after Aaron Rodgers 
announced his return. This is how this whole thing went down on Tuesday. Again, we didn't have a show because Tony G just had to be sick on the biggest day of the year. The year, the day that we were waiting for Aaron Rodgers to make a decision. And this is, it finally happens on the day that I'm sick and can't do a show. Thanks a lot, AR12, for considering <laughs> the Tony G show. Well, he officially announced per Pat McAfee on Tuesday that he would return to Green Bay. Pat McAfee, also on Aaron Rodgers' behalf, subtweeted himself, or I suppose replied to himself, and said that the reports that Rodgers signed a massive contract extension are false. So there are reports that came out when Aaron Rodgers had it announced that he would return to Green Bay. It was under the terms of a new four-year, $200 million contract, which is massive, making him the highest-paid player in the NFL ever at $50 million a year. Those reports are false per Pat McAfee and per Aaron Rodgers. And actually, Aaron Rodgers said himself that it was false. He came out on Twitter, quote, just wanted to clear some things up. Yes, I will be playing with the at Packers next year. He tagged them in the post. However, reports about me signing a contract are inaccurate, as are the supposed terms of the contract. I, quote, signed. I'm very excited to be back. Hashtag year 18 with a heart and muscle emoji, close quote. So officially, he's coming back. But here's what I don't get. Mm -hmm. There are still reports circulating from credible sources. Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, Bleacher Report, everything else that is pretty much anybody with some credibility in the NFL says that these contract negotiations have concluded with these terms of four years, $200 million, $50 million per year. But Aaron says it's false. So I'm going to roll with Aaron. But even after Aaron said that, Everyone else is still saying that it's I true. Know. Yeah, it's kind of weird, isn't it? It's like, on one hand, what does journalism become if we're not going to believe the source? Like, right from the source, he literally said it's not true. But then again, we know the mind games that Aaron Rodgers plays. Well, yeah. Okay, so is this not like four years, $200 million, and actually four years, $196 million, and he's getting $49 million a year instead of fifty? <laughs> and he's like, I told you I wasn't getting $50 million a year. You know, like, doesn't, yeah. doesn't that seem like the most Aaron Rodgers thing to do to come out and be like, oh, yeah, yeah. it's not technically $50 million, but I'm getting $49 million. Yes. Okay. I think it's him being like, I, and we've said this on so many episodes, but he loves toying with the media. Oh, 100%. He loves it. Well, speculating. You would think that he likes to drop a little information here and there just to kind of mess with them. Yeah. I think our friend Rob Demosky said that before, but uh, yeah, I it'll be interesting. I, I read somewhere that there could be some sort of dead cap years where it's really like a six-year contract, yeah. but on paper it's four. So we'll have to see how that really kind of pans out. I really have no idea. Contract stuff is so complicated nowadays. It's like, it's like a foreign language. Well, and I wrote this script up on Tuesday because I thought there would be more information out by the time we recorded the mm -hmm. show now on a Thursday. And it's just not the case. There are There is no real information on some real confirmed numbers that are being thrown around. We don't know if it's actually $50 million a year. We don't know if it's $200 million for four years. And if it is something like you're saying, well, then the contract could be up, but he could still be getting paid. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah, it's got to work out in a way because the remember the Packers are in cap room hell. They can't do anything maybe it's an unconventional much. contract maybe it's like they're able to figure out a deal where he can get more shares with the bucks or the uh brewers whatever it may be it, it it could be something unconventional too yeah it could be i mean maybe he's getting paid in all bitcoin too i mean these are all information and parts of this 
supposed contract that Aaron Rodgers is going to be signing with Green Bay that we have no information about. So you may be wondering, because we've mentioned this before on the Tony G Show, that the Packers are in cap room hell. So how can they afford this? How can they put this together where they have this much money? Like, where did this money come from if they're going to get Aaron Rodgers back? Well, here's another piece of information that came out on Tuesday. They're supposedly going to franchise tag Devontae Adams, which is a total of about $20.1 million. A report that they were going to do during the regular season, they came out and said that we're probably going to have to franchise tag him, and then it just kind of came out that they were going to try to do that on Tuesday. The Packers were already $27.5 million over the cap before Adams got tagged, which brings the total to about $47.5 million over cap, but we already knew that. That's kind of where they were. So we don't. I, I, here's the thing. I don't know where this money is going to come from. I don't know what their plan is. But obviously, if they're trying to keep Rodgers, if they're trying to keep Devontae, which we all agree is worth whatever money you're going to give to them, you obviously have a plan in place to release some of your players, release some of your cap space, release some of your responsibilities financially in order to free up some room for these guys that you want to keep. So my, you know, in this, I don't want this show to just turn into complete speculation over who the Packers are going to release to free up this cap space. You could talk about the Smith brothers and the fact that Preston and Zedarius are both there taking up a lot of room, but Zedarius didn't play all of last year until the playoffs. Preston didn't have a good year before last year. The year before last year, he kind of was bad in 2020. Talk about the fact that David Bakhtiari might have to take a pay cut. Talk about the fact that Kenny Clark just got this huge contract extension. You could talk about Billy Turner getting paid a lot of money. You could maybe getting released. We I don't want this show to turn into just speculation over who the Packers have to release or how they're going to make up this money that they're spending. I want this show to be more about the situation of the Packers. So if the Packers get both Aaron and Devontae back like they want, and we all agree, mm-hmm. then are they the favorite in the NFC? I'd have to say that they are. There is no Tom Brady there anymore. No. The Rams are still the Rams, but they have to pay a lot of players. Mm -hmm. Von Miller's contract is up. OBJ's contract is up. Matthew Stafford's only getting older, so they might not be the same Rams next year is what I'm saying. They'll still be good. They'll be a top contender. Listen, it's L.A., so they have money to spend to make themselves good no matter what. Sean McVay is one of the best coaches around, now a Super Bowl winning coach. 49ers are going to bring in a new quarterback with Trey Lance, probably. So with all of those moving parts, I mean, you'd still have to say that the Packers, even though they haven't put together the closing part of a playoff Mm -hmm. since 2010 to get themselves to a Super Bowl and then win it, you'd still have to say they're the favorite heading into next year. Yeah, and it, it really all kind of pans out to, like you said, they have these big key players that they're like somehow able to afford. But then there's reports that they're like not going to be able to sign players like Rasul Douglas that are really big uh, role players and why they had such a uh, such a successful season. Yeah, and I, and I don't think there's any been any decision on Rasul, so don't quote me on that. But there has not been right. At this point. Basically, what's going to come down to is they're going to they're basically choosing the the method of spending more on their key players that they'll know that will produce, and they're going to have to find players like Devondre Campbell that are diamonds in the rough. Really is how they're going to. Yeah, is how they're going to make a push next year. Here's another interesting contract stipulation. Again, I say I don't want this to turn into speculation, and here we go turning it into speculation, or here I go turning it into speculation. 
So let's talk about the future of Jordan Love to pair this conversation yeah. up. Because Jordan Love is under a contract of a first-round draft pick. Mm-hmm. He got that first-round draft pick contract where he got picked at 27 overall by the Packers. He's been on the roster for a couple years now. What happens with him? The Packers have committed to Aaron Rodgers long-term, or at least next season, and Aaron Rodgers has committed to playing next season in Green Bay. So what happens with Jordan Love in this first year con- or the, this first contract of a first-round draft pick? Mm-hmm. It, I, I mean, it's all... It's hard. I, I it's have hard no say. idea what they're going to do here. Because there's people in both camps, and I'm curious which one you land, and a lot of people think you should keep him and develop him. Yeah. A lot of people are, well, let's get rid of him then. And to me... I don't know. It's hard to, like, yeah, develop, developing him it would be awesome, but they're pretty much all in on winning now. Yeah. You well, know, like, like the extra money they could spend on developing a player, just they need to get rid of that. You can sit here and talk to me about Jordan Love is good or Jordan Love is bad or the Packers think he's good or the Packers think he he's bad. You don't know, though. No. You don't know what the Packers think about Jordan Love. He hasn't played enough for anybody to really have a clear-cut Definitive, definitive right answer, as I spit that out, a definitive right answer about Jordan Love if he's good or not, just yet. You don't know. We have no idea. You have not seen him play. Mm-hmm. You saw him play in Kansas City, filling in for Aaron Rodgers. And that's a tough place to play. On the road, there was a lot of injuries already to that point in the season for the Packers. So you just have no idea. If Jordan Love is this guy that can take over a franchise and make them a competitive team or not. I think if it's up to me, I predict that this is going to be a similar outcome to a Brett Hundley or to a Matt Flynn where the Packers are going to decide, all right, Aaron is going to be our guy for the next two to three seasons. Let's get rid of Jordan Love, his first year contract or his first round contract. Give that to someone else. Let another organization develop him. Mm Mm-hmm. And then see what he does from there. He might be the Matt Flynn, goes and gets himself a big contract with Seattle or Oakland. Might be the Brett Hundley where you never hear from him again. (laughs) But either way, you have gotten rid of that cap space. The Packers have already committed to bringing back Kirk Bankert, their third string quarterback for next year. So is that someone you try to develop as Mm. your backup and then draft your next starting quarterback? Because I don't know if Kirk Bankert is a starting starting quarterback caliber quarterback no so but it's it's gonna be interesting to see where they go but yeah you're right could be another interesting question that is up in the air you know you talk about jordan love what about Devontae adams so if he's gonna get franchise tagged there's still a chance that Devontae adams says i'm not paying for that i'm not playing for that amount of money or you're gonna get me a new contract in order for me to step foot on the field right you could hold out here and i think i think i don't think anyone's talking about this and they need to be because there's a real chance Devontae Adams is not going to play for $20 million a year. He wants more than that. Can they reject a franchise tag? Do they have the ability to do that? The players? Yeah. No. I don't think so. Can they just like decide to sit out or something? I think the franchise tag works so that the team has to pay the player for only one more year. At a, a high amount of money, higher than I think the contract that they just had. But also, I think it's actually league average or league high or whatever yeah. it might be. He, he, so he could choose to sit out. Yeah, that's and, what I and that's exactly, that's still an option for yeah. Devontae. He I, could say I'm not p- playing. I really this. don't see him doing that, though. Really? I do. I don't. Why would he? 
because he's in his prime, Will. You have to think the guy is in his prime. He doesn't want to go out there and get smacked around. There's the guy no other hasn't team he's going to fit in well with. Full season in a long time because he's getting injured. He's getting COVID. You know, I mean, there's just the chance that get, he gets injured and not be in his prime anymore. He wants to get, I get paid that. for his prime. I get that, but like at the same time, I think he's got set that that connection with Green Bay. I don't think he would be that rude. Not rude. Because I get what you're saying. Like, he, you know, if I were in his scenario, yeah. you're in your athletic prime, you want to get paid like you're in your athletic prime. At the same time, I feel like he has such a good connection with Green Bay that he wants to be here. He wants to be with Aaron Rodgers. There's no doubt about that. So there's that factor to consider, too. I mean, Does if, he, though? Of course. You put Devontae Adams with um, uh, Jalen Hurts. Okay. He's average. Yes. I, mean, I mean, he's really good. I really like Devontae, and I'm not, I'm not discrediting his ability, but no, look, at, look at Allen Robinson. Yes, I, I get Devonte is not going to go play with, you know no. Carson Wentz and what is now Washington. Yeah, here's what here's the argument I'm making though. Let me throw this in there and then continue. He just bought that twelve million dollar home in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. That's where the Raiders play, where his college buddy Derek Carr from Fresno State plays. Yeah, I think we talked about this maybe five episodes. Does ago. he does he want to play in Green Bay or is he setting up the next phase of his career to go get paid in Las Vegas? I. At the same time, if he sits out for a full year, he loses that year of his athletic ability and twenty yeah. million he could have made. Yeah, I don't think somebody's going to go. Oh, Devonte, you know, say he gets hurt, knock on wood, this season. He plays for Green Bay on this franchise tag. He gets hurt, and then somebody goes, "Ah, oh, he's not worth. He's worth, you know, significantly less now." Unless it's like gets both his legs. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to make any situation up, but I just don't feel like him getting injured would really affect his long term. Uh, you know, profit, profitability, would you and call I, it? I disagree. His value. Okay. I disagree. It's okay to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's in your case because yeah. when you think about it, this is football. I get it. When but you get I, injured, you're not the same. At the same time, I feel like we're, we're going to start to see people that are, I don't say loyal to a team, but I don't know. I think it's romanticized to say that he's loyal. He, he wants his money. At he the same wants time, to get paid because he knows he's the best. He's no, he knows he's top two, not two. He knows he's the best. He knows he's in his prime. Okay, let me. And he knows me, he can make it work with any quarterback. Let me frame it with this: Rob Domofsky, yep, good friend, had said that with all the wide receivers he's worked with in his career, Donald Driver, Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings, he said De- Devonta Adams is the least diva out of all of them. Surprises me. By far, he said he is the best. He is the best person to work with. I think the last two years or three years, Adams has won every year. The reporters give an award out to the player yep. who is most um, like enjoyable, personable to work with. Yeah. And I think Devonte has won it either the last two or three years in a row. So, to me, I see, and again, it could be wrong, and I totally could see it going the other way. But to me, I see a player that's really invested in a team and his teammates in, a, in an organization that I could see maybe him sticking around. But see, I get what you're saying, too. At the same time, you want to make money. Yeah, and I get what you're saying, too. I think the, that both are, I think both are on the table here. I think both exist at the same time. Devontae's a loyal guy who loves Green Bay, who loves playing with Aaron, who loves being who he is and you know playing for the organization that gave him a chance, stuck with him when he dropped... Footballs every chance that he got, you know, when he couldn't catch a cold. Stuck with him, made him a star, helped him become a star. Didn't make him a star, but helped him become a star. So I could see that loyalty, but also it's like 
he knows that you're only in your prime in the NFL for a handful of seasons. Last year, he was definitely in it. So is he on the back end of his prime or is he on the front end of his prime? It's only, you know, he, he's only getting older. I don't see sitting out that. panning out. He wants out. to get paid at the height of his ability. That's where he is right now. You have to think like an athlete thinks. He's at the height of his ability in his life. So why would he right not now. play? When has sitting out ever panned out for a player? Well, not ever. It has panned out a few times, but more often than not, I mean, Le'Veon Bell. What has he done the last five years? Yeah. Maybe not five years, two years. Okay, you're thinking, yeah, you're thinking of, and you're right, and probably in most cases it doesn't. I mean, look at Deshaun Watson. I mean, mm-hmm. he's not. Exactly. We just talked about it. I, yeah. If he's in, a th- as in his athletic prime, to me it's like let's at least try and play with the greatest quarterback of all time, pad those stats a little bit, get yeah. that money. Who knows? Who knows how it'll play out? I don't. I don't foresee him leaving, but then again, I could see him playing in, in Las Vegas with the Raiders. Derek Carr thrown to him. I could definitely see that. So with that, I mean, we'll leave it there. Tony's the wrong. Packers are, <laughs> Will is wrong yet again, but the Packers are quite possibly the team to beat in the NFC. So speaking of teams to beat, if the NFC is the Packers, how about the AFC and the Denver Broncos? Where are they at after just acquiring Russell Wilson on Tuesday? Like I said, no show on Tuesday. How dare I miss the biggest day of the year? I know. (laughs) Literally. Tuesday, the Broncos traded for Russell Wilson from Seattle, who Wilson passed his, it's it's pretty much gone official at this point, passed his, uh, what's that called when they get the, looked at by the doctor, their physical. Oh, the physical, yeah, yeah. Wilson passed his physical. He waived his no trade clause, and Russell Wilson is now in Denver. Apparently, and this is according to ESPN's Brady Henderson, that Russell Wilson, he had his number one trade preference as Denver. Oh, really? So it's weird how this works out because, mm-hmm. you know, with this, the Seahawks, and we mentioned this on possible locations for where Deshaun Watson can go on that episode. And we said Seattle's not in the picture because they've committed to Russell Wilson. And we said it like it was fact because the Seahawks said it. Pete Carroll said it, that he is committed to Russell Wilson with the Seahawks in Seattle. And all of a sudden, that gets changed on a dime, flipped on its head, and Russell Wilson is packing his bags for Denver, Colorado, where he's going to go play in the Mile High City for the Orange and Blue. And all of a sudden, Seattle is left reeling, stunned. Later that day, they released their long time for about a decade, I think a decade exactly, their cornerstone at the middle linebacker position and the defense and the team as a whole and Bobby Wagner release him. And all of a sudden, the Seattle Seahawks take themselves from what is a two-time Super Bowl appearing team with Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, winning the Super Bowl, beating the Denver Broncos in one of those Super Bowls. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, here they are dwindling as a fringe competitive team, I'd say they're not. This is a rebuilding shell of a team now. And I'm not saying that to disparage the Seahawks. I don't mean to do this to our good friends Jason and Owen from the Fonder family, who mm-hmm. we know so well are good friends of the show. But the Seahawks are empty now. If you think about it, all they have is Pete Carroll and DK Metcalf, and they have no quarterback situation. No. Their defense is not the Legion of Boom, Boom anymore. I think that there is a lot of things to look. They got to rebuild their offensive line. 
their skill position. They need a running back. They've needed one since Marshawn Lynch left the, the the league. That's a shell of an organization now, and they have a lot of rebuilding to do. Yeah, I agree. I mean, losing Russell, that's... I think losing Russell Wilson would be the equivalent of what losing Aaron Rodgers would have done to Green Bay. Mm. Without Aaron yeah. Rodgers, Green Bay is a 500, maybe slightly above. Yep. And it might be a little bit worse for Seattle, but at the same time, I think Seattle won this trade. You know, that's that's a good take. I don't I don't agree because I think Russell Wilson just holds that much value. Yes. But I, I get what yeah. you're saying because they did get a haul. Right. The real part that really sold me on Seattle winning this trade was Noah Fant being included. Yes, the he tight is, end. Yeah, he, you know, he's one of those players that's still developing, but he's a solid player. Yeah, he's a solid star to have in your offense. You can build around. So now you got DK and Noah Fant. You find a solid second receiver. You know, an okay running back, and you find a quarterback. I mean, we just talked about Deshaun Watson. Could be in play. That's so, mention they acquired Drew Locke in the trade. Yes, and and Drew Locke is. He's Drew Locke. Yeah. Yeah. He's good. He's got you know a lot of fan favoritism, but I really think Seattle won this. They're not going to win this year, but they could be a team depending on how these picks pan out. Yeah, you know, two three years down the road, and be like, wow, that was a really good trade. It's it sucked in the moment because you know Wilson is was the glue that held Seattle together, but maybe this pans out for the best for them. Who knows? I think Seattle saw how much they relied on Russell Wilson and mm-hmm. thought, we just need a new organization. Yeah. We need a facelift. Let's go get what we can get for Russell Wilson. It's like when Packer fans said, if Aaron is going to retire, that would suck because then we couldn't trade him. It would suck to see him play for another team, but at the same time, we would get a load if our quarterback were to get traded like that. Yeah. So it's the same thing for Seahawks and, and Seahawks fans in Seattle and stuff like that, that – yeah, we don't like to see Russell Wilson go. He was part of our organization for so many years. But look at the haul they got. They got mm-hmm. the number nine pick this year. So you talk about the offensive lineman already. Our guy Matt Swanson was texting me left and right about possibilities that the Seahawks could go in for drafting in that number nine spot. An offensive lineman was mm-hmm. a big part of it. So this has turned into a Seahawks discussion, which is fine. But the Denver Broncos at the same time, also got Russell Wilson, not to mention they got a fourth-round pick this year. So they, you know, they're in a pretty good situation. Right. Russell Wilson joins Nathaniel Hackett, wide receivers Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, a good fan base down there in Denver, and I think someone that, or a team that is fan, really uh, built. Tail, or not tailgaters. Jeez, what's the um, bandwagons? They got a lot of bandwagons down in Denver. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Well, there's a lot of hardcore fans, but there's also a lot of fans that were came out of the woodwork once... Uh, Peyton Manning signed there. Oh, yeah. You know. And so this is the same type of deal mm-hmm. as what you're saying. But I wanted to ask you, do yeah. you think the Rodgers domino was the reason why this happened? Because I believe their GM came out and said, like, oh, we weren't at all interested in Aaron Rodgers, which to me is like, you know, you're dating, you're, you got two girls that like you or two people that like you in, like, middle school, and you like the one, but they reject you. It's and then, the, the then you start, you know, the other one you start dating and they're like, oh, did you like them? And you're like, well, no, of course not. <laughs> I, th- I think I th- that's a great analogy. You know, because you're not going to say, oh, yeah, metaphor. I liked them more. That's one heck of a metaphor. I think with this situation in Denver, yes, I think the Aaron Rodgers domino really got things rolling. Yeah. Because they were waiting for Aaron Rodgers to say, I want, I'm going to be, become a free agent. I think they definitely landed some phone calls, maybe not to Brian Gutekunst, 
But in the Green Bay area, I mm-hmm. think they definitely fielded some phone calls. Where, right. You know, if Aaron Rodgers goes on the market, what would you give for him or what, what would it cost? And I think that once they saw that, they called Seattle with this deal and said, yeah, let's do it. And if Seattle said no, then their next call was going to be to Houston. Hey, what's up with Deshaun Watson? Let's put together a haul for them, for mm-hmm. him. So I definitely think I think the Broncos had a plan that they needed a new quarterback, and they were going to get one of these three, Rodgers, Wilson, or Deshaun. And I think they got Wilson. They were going to be happy with any one of the three. Yeah. And I think I think they got the, the right guy that they wanted. Because I believe their GM gave a the, the political answer. <laughs> they <laughs> who, all do. Who says, who's going to be like, oh, yeah, obviously we wanted Aaron Rodgers over Russell exactly. Wilson. Come on. Yep. What did you expect him to say? Yep. 100%. <laughs> so I, I, I kind of laughed when I saw that tweeted out somewhere because it's like, well, why even ask that? Like, obviously they're going to say they wanted the guy they got. So... The thing with Denver is I think they're in a in the situation to be the best team in the AFC. I'm willing to say that. Mm-hmm. Wilson is joining this young, talented team, bringing creativity in Nathaniel Hackett with the head coach into a restructured offense around Wilson. Seven draft picks this year, even though the earliest is the second round at the number 64 overall. I still think... That this is a team built to compete this year. I think they have the pieces to do it. Now that they have this quarterback piece, I mean, you look at what cost them last year. It was this influx of play uh, of Drew Locke. And now that they have that quarterback position shored up, now that they have an offensive-minded head coach instead of Vic Fangio in there, <laughs> I think that they're really, really primed to be the best team in the AFC. They might be the team to beat. You look at around their division. The Las Vegas Raiders, they're not necessarily there yet. Same with the Chargers. I think they still have some pieces to build around. Uh, not to mention the Raiders are looking for a new head coach. I think that they just got one in McDaniels. So, I mean, they're figuring out how to put together a team. I don't think they're going to compete this year. The Chargers, I think there's a lot more that has to happen with them. The Chiefs, they were in the AFC Championship. Yeah, they're the Chiefs. They get it. But they're still a beatable team. Remember the struggles that Mahomes had? They still have weakness. And that's a beatable team, the Chiefs. I think that division slips in behind Denver. Mm-hmm. I think this is the best team in that division and possibly the team to beat in the AFC. And isn't there a rumor that um, Von Miller is considering coming back too? I mean, that... Yeah. Because that defense is good. They're looking at their depth chart. They got a lot of got a lot of Q marks next to their uh, some of their key player names. But, you know, granted that they all get uh, healthy before next season and they get Von Miller back. They still have Bradley Chubb, who's... Bradley Chubb, yep. Probably a little bit beyond his prime, but you can win with solid role players, and this team is looking solid. Ronald Darby on that team as mm-hmm. well, Kyle Fuller. So Patrick yeah, Sertan. A, yeah, exactly. There's Pat Sertan, who they just drafted a couple years ago. So I think this is a team that's, like I said, they're built to win. Mm-hmm. I think they're young and ambitious. I think they have that. But I think now that they have their leader, whether you think Russell Wilson is corny as a leader or not, he kind of is. I mean, you see well, some of the videos he does. It's like, dude, what? Yeah. Either way, he's going to be a guy that this locker room can bond around, can get around. And I think once they draft more offensive linemen, start to build that position up a little more and really shore up their running back position. You know, they've had Melvin Gordon for a while. I think once they really start to lay in to that, this is going to be a pass-heavy team. And this is going to be a team that can also throw in that mix of – a big running back play from a Melvin Gordon or maybe somewhere else that they try to get at that running back position. But once they build that offensive line, this is going to be a team built to go. 
I think this is a team. I'm going to call it now. They're going to compete for that division. I think they win the AFC West next season. I, be, right I bet now. you that's a really close division race, though. It'll be. I would agree. It'll be one or two games decided. It. I, you know, and I think a lot of people underestimate the Raiders too, mm -hmm. because they have this new coach. They're kind of in flux. Remember, they went through everything last year. But I mean, you know, let's get some dominoes to fall their way. Let's say Devontae Adams somehow ends up there. No, he probably won't. They already franchise tagged them. <laughs> So he doesn't have much control. Now I'm just trying to speculate as a fan of football instead of being a podcast host offering legitimate outcomes here. So let's just let's say this. Let's say they have a good year. Derek Carr leads them to nine, ten wins. That, is that a team that makes a Super Bowl run? I don't know. They looked good. You know, when we had that episode and we were praising them and – and then immediately after, they just never were a competitive team. Yeah. They looked so good. You know, yep. they had Darren Waller, stud. Yeah. Derek Carr can be a good quarterback when he, you know, when he has that um, that groove to him. He's good. I, I, do, I don't see them winning that division. Like you said, just the, the Broncos are too strong compared with, or uh, paired with the Chiefs. I just really don't see them being anything but third, but... Who knows? Free agency is a wild place. Yeah, that's true. Free agency is coming up, not to mention the draft is next month as well. A whole lot of pieces are still in the air before we can really say it, but I'm willing to say it. What is the date today? March 10th. I'm willing to say that the AFC West will belong to the Broncos. I think the Broncos could compete with the Bengals as the team to beat in the AFC. I really do believe that. Going from football to football to football, an all-football show today. Mm -hmm. And thank you for sticking with me through this congestion episode it's your jordan flu game it is isn't it yeah i've had one of these before you remember when we did a show both of us were sick i think we did it live yeah Oof. that was like season three no thanks no we'll never do that again but either way thanks for sticking with me i've battled pretty well to this point mm -hmm. a couple things i have to edit out but and if you're listening at this point hopefully i did <laughs> <laughs> hopefully i didn't you didn't listen to anything you go, holy cow Let's move on to our last segment because this is an interesting topic of discussion and a debate we can have. What to make of this whole Calvin Ridley situation? He was suspended for all of this upcoming 2022 season for gambling. That is a 17-game suspension coming up. He will forfeit his $11 million season with the Atlanta Falcons. Here's a timeline of what happened after this, or, or I suppose before this. He stepped away from football around Halloween because he had to focus on some mental issues that he had. He wanted to take a break and, and just kind of work on himself. He cited that he did not step away because he had a gambling problem, and he did not. And he still does not have a problem. That's what he says on in these tweets following the news. He sent out three or four tweets after this news broke. He also said that he spent $1,500 on these bets. He placed three, five, and eight game parlays over five days on Hard Rock Sportsbook, which is an app, included bets on the Atlanta Falcons winning their games in November when he was not playing. Let me just back up the gambling problem side of things, too. If you had a gambling problem, do you think you would have spent only $1,500? Exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, that's... I mean, I don't really... That's probably throw around money to them. $1,500, it's like, meh. Look at it through this lens. I follow Joe Pompliano on Twitter, at Joe Pompliano. It's a great, it's a great Twitter feed. I, um, 
I'm not giving free plugs here, but I'm subscribed to his news newsletter. He sends out emails to his link and, and stuff like that, and it's all the stuff about money behind sports and stuff. So he does a great job with it. And he said he added this interesting perspective and tweeted out, Calvin Ridley placed $1,500 worth of bets and lost $11 million. Yeah, with his contract? Yep. Yeah. If you can afford to be like, no, nah, I don't need that $11 million. That's nothing. Well, I mean, not even like that, though. It's just the fact that he placed $1,500 in bets and lost $11 million. Yeah. Jeez. That's a big bill to the bookie. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, you're right. Because now that he's... You're saying the $11 million co- uh, con- or a consequence of yep. not being able to play. Yep. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Yep. I get you now. Yeah. Yep. So with that being said... That's a pretty bad loss. He was suspended 17 games. Gets all of the $11 million that he was supposed to be owed, forfeits it back to the team in the league. He doesn't get it. Here are some NFL suspension policy for first-time offenders. A DUI is three games. A PED is four games. And domestic violence is six games. For gambling, you get 17. Is that fair? A DUI is three games. That's Isn't that just, something? That's almost comical. That's a joke. Like, that... I mean, just to tie back to your SNC talks, I mean... Yeah, we're going to talk about alcohol. It's almost comical. Yep. It's actually not even comical, it's sad, Okay, really. well, think about domestic violence. Yeah. Six games? Yeah. Six games. There's a lot of people out there that are like, you know, you watch that video of Ray Rice literally yep. beating... Yep. A woman. And it's like, how... It just really makes you wonder how, yeah. you know, how that is only six games and the, and the uh, betting is only 17. And... You know, again, it's not right to bet on when you're a player. I get that. Yeah. But at the same time, like, it's almost—it's just the fact that they have a zero tolerance policy for gambling. Yeah. In a society where gambling is ever more popular than it has ever been, it's only growing in popularity, especially amongst players. Not to mention, he placed these bets when he was not playing. Not to mention, he placed it on his team to win. Well, and even to compare it to Tom Brady, I mean, he literally cheated. To win a, two Super Bowls, two of them, and you got like a slap on the wrist compared to this. Yeah, that's true. Literally cheated to win a su- two Super Bowls and the football and Spygate. Yeah, this is fifteen hundred dollars we're talking about here. I think this all stems from you remember like the the Black Sox scandal from like nineteen nineteen. You remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah, you were around yep. back then. So what Just happened like there? I think it was something with Shoeless Joe Jackson. I don't know. That was over a century ago, but were they bet? to lose that they their team was going to lose the world series and then they lost because they forfeited. So I think that fear is still present in today's world where gambling is more popular and more present. Here's the thing, when a player bets on his team to win, like Pete Rose was suspended and he's not in the Hall of Fame even though he has the most hits ever <laughs> because he bet on his team. Well, he bet on his team to win. He always bet on good things happening for his team. It's not like he's betting that his team is going to lose, and then his play suffers at the hands mm-hmm. of his bet because he wants his bets to win, but his team to lose. You know what I mean? Like it's not like he's intentionally having his teams lose so that he gets more money from his bets that he placed. He's placing these bets in favor of his team, in favor of his teammates, in favor of the outcome, which is what Calvin Ridley did, right? Yeah, same thing. Bet on the Falcons winning. He's part of that organization. It's not like he's betting, and he wasn't playing at the time. He stepped away in October. These bets were placed in November. Yeah. I think it's a little harsh. I think so, too. I mean, I still see the 
you know, that that's not right to do yes. as a player currently in the league. I yep. understand that. But to say a DUI or domestic violence is a significantly less, uh, there's the, the penalty associated with those crimes is significantly less is just, it leaves me speechless, literally, because I just don't understand how I can justify that 17 games over $1,500 yep. and on a season and games that he wasn't even closely associated with, yep. wasn't even playing. Yep. I'm going to throw this perspective on it, and then I'm going to we'll we'll wrap up the show. If the NFL or if these sports organizations and, and leagues have a zero-tolerance policy on gambling. That's why they have a full season. That's why Pete Rose isn't in the Hall of Fame because they're showing their players that if you do this, the repercussions are going to last for your entire career. And so there's zero tolerance, and that's why you don't see it often. You don't see this happen that often. The players get get penalized for gambling on games that they are in or teams that they are associated with. It doesn't happen that often because they don't do it because they know the repercussions are so harsh. Would it be the same thing if they said you're going to lose a season because of domestic violence, you're going to not get invo- inducted in the Hall of Fame because of domestic violence and PEDs and DUIs. Would it be the same thing if they hold it? So is this a case of they should drop gambling penalties or they should raise the rest of the penalties up to a full season? That's a solid point. I mean, it's got to be one or the other. I think so too. You can't have this big... I mean, you can't look at 17 games for gambling and six games for domestic violence and no. say it's on the same plane. That's I mean, just not if that's right. if that's the scale we're looking at here, then to me, domestic violence is like a three-year, you know, yeah, a three-year crime. Yep. DUI, three-year crime. Like you're you're done out of the league for three years because, wow, like a full year for just fifteen hundred dollars over betting. To me, it's like domestic violence, a DUI, and PED are much worse compared to betting. So in a society where we jail people for domestic violence and DUIs. We hold athletes on that higher mm-hmm. echelon. And, you know, I'm pro athlete. You know, I've always loved sports and I always give athletes the benefit of the doubt. But, but at what it's, point? It's interesting, is isn't there it? Too much leeway. You know what I mean? I mean it, there's it is an interesting perspective. Yeah, here I, to be had. You don't really. Uh, I've never really understood why athletes get that leeway. I mean, I get that they're influential people, but yeah, I if they've if they've done the crime, they need to serve the time. That's that's how the justice justice system should work. No, I'm not saying they need to go get jailed no especially for gambling but i think the difference between gambling and domestic violence is just too heavy right now Mm -hmm. i think there needs to be some equilibrium here where you know if you do this for the first time you're going to get half a season for these offenses if you do it for a second you're going to get a full season if you do it for a third time you're done out of the league we can't handle you acting in this behavior anymore yeah the system needs to be revamped now basically yeah pretty much Pretty much the case. Uh, what's the suspension for bad jokes on the Tony G show? Because Will has had a lot of them. Um, a lot of fake firings. Fake, <laughs> fake firings. Yep. At what point is it like show suspensions? Um, remember when I put when I would put you on suspension? Yeah, you the turn my mic off. off? I, can't I can't do, do that, that anymore. No. No. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, the show would be really boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Will. Mm-hmm. Well, we got this show done. My congestion is. Uh, subsided for the time being so i can get this show in good i gotta drive you to the airport now i do yeah or you do yeah you do i I, ride along yeah not because you're taking a flight anywhere no just picking up a car picking up a car yep yeah be fun we'll go do it we'll listen to a podcast on the way yeah maybe do you know a good one um there's this one i I know called uh the tony g show oh really yeah Hmm. 
I have to look it up. It's about this guy who just knows so much about sports. He's so funny. He's so... And I heard he's handsome, too, and then his co-host is like a... Ah. He's okay. Yeah, he's like a guy who's just like, dude, you know? That's okay. You need you need <laughs> somebody there sometimes. Uh, yeah, I do love you. Back at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the partner, Will McCormick. I'm Tony G. Another episode of the Tony G Show in the books. We'll see you. Remember, no shows for a week. We're going on spring break, then we'll see you back here. Uh, late March. So this has been the Tony G Show. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Tony G Nation.